You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Just a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we could produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, at Podmania, YouTube and Instagram, at The Real Podmania. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at www.podmania.weebly.com. Let's do this. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Podmania Podcast. I am your host, Rob Goodwin, and I am joined by the man some people call the Big Daddy of Podmania. It's Garth Jackson. How are you, my friend? <laughs> what? what an intro. <laughs> it's the first time I've been called Big Daddy. <laughs> it's it's going to be a name that sticks. I'm not going to lie. I <laughs> do, my man. Uh, all right, yeah, good, yeah. Technical hit, uh, glitches aside, yeah, good. Oh, good grief. <laughs> we, have, we have had one of the most technology-riddled introductions to a podcast ever. Um, so please bear with us, and fingers crossed we won't have any issues. Um, but yeah, we are here to review Impact from the 29th of November. Now, bearing in mind, Garth, that the last show we reviewed... Let's <laughs> let's say it wasn't canon. Yeah. Let's let's draw a line under it. Yeah. And let's never speak of that evil again. Yes, let's never Yeah, it's done. Yeah. Forever, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. I mean I don't care if they do another one next year. We're not reviewing it. No. I swear <laughs> to God that was the most upsetting hour and a half television I think I've ever watched. <laughs> Um, however, we are going to review this week's impact, and we have got a far better episode, as you know, as you would hope with this being canon. Um, some good matches, some wank matches, um, some interesting segments. Um, but overall, impact fans, what we've got to remember is, at least it's not WWE Raw. Because apparently oh, God, they're yeah. churning out the most humdrum shit that they have peddled out for years. So, yeah. you know what? You know, you got to take the shit with the good, unfortunately. But genuinely, yeah. there were some really, really good bits in this show. What did you think, of? I really enjoyed it. Well, I mean, the matches, most of the matches are good. Even the sort of, the sort of, the main event was had has its moments. It was all right. It was good to see Eli Drake on the card again. It is good to see Eli Drake on the card, and more importantly, in the main event, it's just a shame that it was. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where they take this Eli Drake stuff, um, mm-hmm. especially as you know the man is a bona fide superstar, um, mm-hmm. though. I was very interested to hear Tommy Dreamer bury Eli Drake's gimmick oh, in his uh, so in his good. promo, which was fantastic. Um, but before we start, Garth, just a quick note. Um, Impact have tweeted out today that LAX, Ortiz and Santana, so this incarnation of LAX, are now the longest reigning TNA slash Impact World Tag Team Champions at, at the moment... Roughly 222 days. I mean, that's quite an achievement, Garth. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Um, considering, I mean, 
think about some of the tag teams before them, like say like Beer Money, yeah, um, City Machine Guns, um, yeah. I mean, I think that to be fair, they're probably one of the only really sort of top legit teams at Impact and have been for a while. Yeah, um, they've just come I out think of in the, one in the past. Yeah, I mean, in the past, I think there has been better tag teams to sort of mix it up. So they've had to pretty much carry the whole division on, on their shoulders themselves anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think, you know, especially with this show, we are seeing an influx of teams now, which is good because me and you have spoken many, many times on these podcasts about how that division is just the weakest yeah. Um, so it's nice to see that we have got some teams coming in to fight LAX. But, you know, 222 days. It's interesting to see that there are only a handful of teams since the original Tag Team Championships in 2007. It's interesting to see that no, there's four teams, I think, that have gone over 100 days. Yeah. It's interesting to see. One that went less than one day, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, but non-breaking the year, obviously. Yeah. And to have so many teams not reach 100 days is quite interesting, really. Yeah, it's quite surprising as well. Yeah, LAX have held them for, I think, combined 550 days. <laughs> um, and they're second only to um, Beer Money. In yeah. combined reigns, who at the moment, between them, James Storm and Bobby Roode, have, I think, cumulatively 700 and something days. Yeah. Which, and you've got, obviously, Team 3D as well. You've got Team 3D, the inaugural champions. Um, you know, you've got AJ Styles and whoever AJ Styles teamed with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he won them twice with different people. So, you know, it's been, it's been an interesting ride for the tag team division. Um, and I think to have, to have them on a team for as long as they have done a you know on a positive note it cements LAX as you know the top team in impact oh, yeah. which you know they are you know they are taking those belts all around the world and they are putting on stellar matches but on a negative slant it is also showing that they don't exactly have the competition that was needed yeah. in impact but opening match but the opening match could indeed put pay to that. Um, it was a tag team encounter, the opening match. Pentagon and Phoenix taking on Willie Mack and Rich Swan. Rich Swan decked out in skiing goggles <laughs> for some yeah, reason. Apparently he's a keen um, snowboarder. Yes, I love that that was the reason. Just, he quite likes snowboarding. <laughs> Oh, okay then. Fair enough. That seems to be uh, that seems to be fine then. Um, this was a really good, fun opening match, Garth. Yeah, really, really good. Especially you've got sort of you've got the athletics of Phoenix, and then you've got the athletics of Rich Swan. Then you've got Penta, who can sort of mix it up all the ways. And then you've got Willie Mack, who's just a freak because he can do everything. Yeah. Um... Um, Phoenix just continues I to think, impress. Um, yeah, oh yeah, just brilliant. Go on, what were you going to say? I did cut you off. I'm sorry. Just, just saying, um, like the opening sort of um, 
exchanges with Swan and Phoenix were, were excellent. Just it was just like a sort of um, it was like dancing, sort of outdoing each other with sort of flips and evading each other, and then yeah, just it's good to see because you could tell they were sort of having fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. And on the flip side of that, of course, you got the you got the power of Pentagon and Willie Mack as they you know as they faced off, and it was quite a nice juxtaposition because you've got the high flyers of Phoenix and Rich Swan, like you say, you know, doing kip ups off their own heads and things like that, and then the face off and the shaking of hands, that mutual respect, and then you've got just Willie Mack and Pentagon just chopping the shit out of each yeah. other. I and, loved um, Willie, Willie Mack doing the, the WM. Yes. and you know a crowd that you know ultimately throughout the show i've thought that the las vegas crowd was dead Mm. if i'm perfectly honest they came alive for this match as you know you would hope you would hope they would do you're not going to get a much better than match than this without pay-per-view um i thought overall these two teams put on an absolutely stellar match. There was a lovely spot where um, Rich Swan hits a 450 onto Phoenix, rolls through and then splashes on top yeah. of Pentagon. Excellent. Which I thought was just just unbelievable. You've then got the spot where they're all on the outside and they all take turns leaping over the top rope. Um, including Willie Mack, who, you Willie know, Mack. and you know, flip. exactly, you know, considering the man's size, the man is a hefty, hefty size and he's doing shit like that is just Unbelievable! He himself did a kip up, which was incredible. He's doing standing moon salts. You know, we've we've said all this about Willie Mack, but he just continues to impress. And you've got Phoenix doing crazy sort of four part moon salts to the outside, where you think he's going to jump, he doesn't. He jumps onto the rope, he doesn't. Then he flips back off the rope. <laughs> I mean, it says something about a wrestling performer when he slipped off one of the ropes and it didn't affect the move. No. Because his momentum was just all there, and it—he really, really is just a special, special talent. And I, I would really, really love him to hold the X Division title. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We'll, we'll get ahead of ourselves slightly. Um. Mm-hmm. There was a lovely spot where all four of them are delivering super kicks to each other. Yeah. Um. Even Josh Matthews even said we're having a party up in here. Yeah, which <laughs> I thought was quite a nice, uh, as close to a super kick party as you can possibly say without getting yeah. in trouble. Um, there was a horrible move where Rich Swan is taking a fear factor on the outside on the apron and it's aided by a double stomp from Phoenix oh, right yeah. onto the apron. Um, <laughs> it was oh, it was, it was was a nasty, nasty looking move. Rich Swan, obviously okay. Um, and then eventually the Lucha Brothers finish off Willie Mack with a series of ridiculous wheelbarrow double team moves, <laughs> which, you know, are the bane of a commentator and a reviewer's life because they, you know, Every single time we try and review it, they innovate something completely different, which doesn't have a bloody name. But a really, really, really good match. Went just under 16 minutes, this. Um, Really good, really fast-paced, exactly what we needed after the lull it was last week. Um, But that wasn't all, Garth, was it? No. Um, Yeah, that win set up. Yeah, the championship challenge. Yeah. We had LAX arriving, and it's important to note that LAX sans Conan. No Conan in the ring. Um, LAX come down. uh, They, you know, there's lots of niceties um, with the Lucha Brothers, and LAX say they've beaten everyone. Everyone. 
in Impact. And to be fair, they they probably have. Um, and they said, who better to offer a tag team title shot than to their familia? And they wanted to give them a title shot. And of course, the Lucha Brothers accept. Holy shit, Garth, this is going to be an... This could potentially steal the show. Yeah. I was watching it and I was thinking, oh God, this should totally make this a ladder match. Imagine those four on a ladder match for the belts. I mean, any type of match that these two put on, any stipulation you throw onto this match, and to be perfectly honest, I don't think they will throw a stipulation on it yet. No, it's no, the no. first match between these two, but I agree. You know, a ladder match with these two teams, with the amount of work that Phoenix can do off those top rope, Ortiz and Santana are both very, very athletic, even Pentagon. Mm. You know, we would see some absolutely, you know, for lack of a better phrase, ludicrous shit from yeah. all of them. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I think Phoenix is getting to the point where he's he's got to be up there alongside the likes of um, sort of Will Ospreay and those types of in that style. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely the best in Impact at, at, at that level, at that sort of style. I mean, is he up there with uh, Ricochet as well? I mean, he can do pretty much everything Ricochet can do. Yeah, I would argue that there is definitely similarities between the two, between the three. Um, yeah. I think Osprey is more consistent than Phoenix, though. You know, mm. that's by the by. I think if you were to put those three in a ring, I don't Fuck think anyone <laughs> anyone in the world is complaining. Um, Phoenix is certainly one of the top competitors in Impact. And he's certainly one of the top competitors in the wrestling business at the moment. Um, my only hope is now that if his injury, which he's announced on Twitter, um, is keeping him out until the end of the year, I just hope that he is going to be able to be okay yeah. in preparation for in preparation for homecoming, for homecoming. on January 6th. Yeah. Um, now, one bad thing of this acceptance of the title shot is that the next thing that was announced, as we, we said last week and we we, uh, we reviewed last week, that Ultimate X is returning to crown a new X Division champion. Now, unfortunately, with Phoenix being part of the Lucha Brothers and being in a match for the tag team titles, it does mean that we get no Phoenix in Ultimate X. Yeah. Which... It's a shame, but um, I'm happy to see him in that match at LAX, though. So that'd be really good. Yeah, absolutely. And we did have some matches announced um, later on. I would really, really, really like to see Rich Swan and Willie Mack in that match. Whether they'll yeah. put both of them in, I don't know. Has it said how many men are going to be in the match? Well, it's, it's normally it's normally four. But then on the Global um, Wrestling Network, moment of the week, Garth, <laughs> there was only three. So. Yeah. You know, if they could stretch it to six, maybe even five, you know, yeah. it could be an excellent match. It's going mm -hmm. to be an excellent match anyway. But, you know, when you consider the depth of talent that there is, especially when it comes to the X Division and possibilities for the X Division, yeah. it's 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 a promising time. Homecoming is shaping up to be an absolutely stellar a stellar card. It really is. Yeah, really good, yeah. Um, we then get one of two videos... Um, of Brian Cage preparing for his title match at Homecoming. Mm. Not really a lot to say. I know that no. Brian Cage is friends with Johnny Impact and they, they play on that friendship 
Brian Cage says that, yes, I am friends with him, but there is one thing I've always wanted, and it just so happens that my friend wears it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Brian Cage is going to be holding back come homecoming. No. Um, no, not at all. I mean, at the moment, Garth, if I was to add, if I was to put you on the spot right now, Big Daddy. Um, oh, God. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> you better hope Chris doesn't hear this episode. Oh. Um, if I was to put you on the spot, who comes out of homecoming with a towel? Honestly, at this point, I'm totally 50-50. Because, I mean, talk about being rocket-strapped. The Brian Cage, he's, he's only really been there, sort of, on that scene since, what, Bound for Glory? Well, like, well, no, say, say Slammiversary, he's been he sort He won of, the X Division title yeah. at Slammiversary, didn't he? And then he's just absolutely just skyrocketed through the division, so, honestly, 50-50, because they're really hot on him at the minute. They really are. And interesting seeds being sown later on in the show. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, it's nice to have a championship match where you are so split down the middle. I mean, Bound for Glory, you know, you and Chris both said, you know, Johnny Impact's walking away with this. Mm. And I had certain inclinations, but I went for Austin Aries. Whereas this, anyone's guess. Anyone's guess. Um, We then get the second part of this LAX challenge where Conan (laughs) is... not happy... He's a little bit miffed. Let's <laughs> let's use the word miffed. No, he's he's absolutely livid about LAX going ahead despite his warnings two weeks ago and making the match with the Lucha Brothers. Now, what I liked was here, Garth, that we actually got an explanation. Yes. And his explanation actually made complete sense. Yeah, totally. Um, that was actually a really good reason. It was, and it was a reason I hadn't thought of at all. Mm. Um, and it was a reason that you know you said, you know, you could see perhaps a turn coming, and this is almost come completely out of left field. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, Conan's whole argument is that he's worked with uh, Juventud Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. They won the tag team championships and then decided they wanted to face each other, you know, to see who was best. It was all joking. It was all fun to start off with. And then once it had happened, their relationship was never the same again. Now, you know, and then he brought up the OGs and how, you know, him, Homicide and Hernandez were brothers, basically, and how he raised King, you know, and how these relationships have soured. Um he says that the you know the Lucha Brothers yeah they're they're family but they want to beat you, you know they're not yeah. they're not going to go soft on you and um, he eventually leaves and says so it says got, things will never be the same things will never be the same once you cross that line yeah exactly and I've got to take care of business now and walks off so ambiguous ending mm-hmm. good solid segment I'm wondering if if they're gonna I mean, I don't know how far in advance it's taped, but it would have been interesting to see if they used Phoenix's injury to, as part of the story. Certainly will be. It certainly yeah. will be. Um, like I said, genuinely, this was about, I think we'd had about 25 minutes of impact at this point, and mm. I was thinking if we can keep this up for the entire episode, this is going to be a fucking brilliant episode. Yeah, it really is. 
And then they brought out this match. Uh, Jordan Grace <laughs> taking on Katarina in a rematch from three weeks ago, I feel. Um, Jordan Grace debuted on the roster. Um, a very, very, very muscular girl. Incredibly strong, thick mama pump. Um, and basically Katarina said you got lucky. And so we get this rematch. Now, I'm hesitant to say the phrase charisma vacuum. But mm. Katarina, I yeah. feel, is a charisma vacuum. Yeah, she has this sort of... It's like... Obviously, they're putting on an act, but she's putting on an act of putting on an act. And it yeah. just it comes across so... Like, like she's not, her heart's not in it. Like, totally going through the motions. That's what it felt like for me. Mm-hmm. And it was such a disappointing match. Just everything in this match seemed slow, seemed she, clunky. She seemed really sort of sloppy as well. She did, and it was it was a shame. This is supposed to be we're supposed to be building one of the hottest women on the wrestling scene at the moment, especially on the wrestling indies at the moment in Jordan Grace. And if you've got a woman whose entire gimmick is power, she needs to be sweeping aside talent. Yeah, she needs to be crushing people in 40, 50 seconds. To be fair, she did absolutely crush Katarina in the corner. She did. <laughs> she did, absolutely. And when she did hit those power moves, you know, when she hit the pounce, Katarina almost ended up outside the ring. <laughs> you know, but the whole thing with Jordan Grace is her power. Yet, honestly, if you look at this match, who was the stronger of the two? Well, that's what I've got in my notes. I've got, like, Katarina seemed to get a lot of offence in on this one. Again, because in yeah. the first match you did. That's what we said. Now, that one only went two minutes, and we could sort of argue that away. But I'm sorry, what on earth are they... Why are they trying to build Katarina here? Because, you know, Katarina is not going to be challenging for the title anytime soon unless they do something completely radical with it. Jordan Grace needs the wins. She needs to be battering people. Basically, she yeah. needed the match that Taya Valkyrie had later on in the night. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it's, um, and I, I, like, like was mentioned the last time, that bear hook finisher, like, pardon the pun, squeezes the life out of the match. It does, yeah. It's not the most interesting of finishing moves, and we, no. we said this the last time. I mean, I don't know if it's the wrestling... The wrestling environment at the moment, you know, we want to see big, high-flying moves and potentially we're moving away from, you know, big, strong power, which is, you know, ridiculous in my eyes. I, I love that side of wrestling. I just, I feel that, you know, if Katarina's hitting springboard DDTs, what, why? What mm-hmm. what what are you trying I to mean, achieve? When she was doing that, for the, the second that she was setting that up, I thought, right, well, I... Grace could just catch her in this and just set about her there, which which is what she should have done. It's a it's yeah. very very strange booking. Um, thankfully, the right person won. Obviously, Jordan Grace won <gasps> eventually with the Vader bomb and then um, that obscenely ridiculous bear hug. Yeah. Um, but I just I feel that Katarina got too much in here, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. Why? Why she's having a competitive match against Katarina, who, when she was on top, looked so slow and so choppy and so 
clunky. I mean, there was a, you know, there was a there was a point in the middle of this match where Jordan Grace reverses something with a jawbreaker, mm-hmm. and I'm not joking. There must have been three foot of daylight between the top of Jordan Grace's head as she came down and Katarina's face, and it just it looked so sloppy, you know. And it was like a lot of um. A lot of our sort of blocks and counters were coming in sort sort of early. It was just signposted all over the shop. Do, I think I know the spot that you're on about the clothesline where mm-hmm. they ducked and then oh, it was telegraphed for about an hour beforehand. And it, yeah. I don't know. It it seemed clunky. It seemed slow. It seemed a, a ridiculous match. Really, there was no need for them to have a rematch anyway. And to be perfectly honest, I just feel like there is better things that Jordan Grace should be doing, yeah. a la squashing opponents like Taya Valkyrie did in about three minutes later yeah. on in the show. And then get obviously, I'm I'm assuming that um, Jordan Grace will be going for the title. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with her, Tessa, and Taya. See what sort of that happens there. The one thing they don't want to do is have Jordan Grace lose too soon. Yeah. They've spent so much, you know, for for impact, you know, they've done these big vignettes. You know, they obviously hold her in very high esteem. And after her great showing at All In, you've got to be very careful. You can't throw her into a match with Tyre and Tessa because there's no way that she should be winning the title yet. She needs yeah. to wait. You know, look what they did with Brian Cage. The the thing, the way they've built Brian Cage since Slammiversary is damn near perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe not to that extent, but that is how they should be booking Jordan Grace. Just look at what you've done with Brian Cage and do that with Jordan Grace. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um... We move on from that, and we got a backstage segment with KM and Falabar. <laughs> we... Do you know what? This is how I like my Scarlet Bordeaux. Okay? I was just going to say, this was actually a good part for them. Yeah, and the only reason I liked it is because you know Scarlet was in it for about 12 seconds. <laughs> um, KM is apologising to Falabar backstage, saying that no matter what he did, he couldn't get that tag team title shot for him and Falabar. Um, Bar is... Very upset about this. However, KM says, do you know what? We can still go and hit the town. We're still in Vegas. Let's go make some money. They get extremely (laughs) excited. Run off. We get a lovely little sign that says seven minutes later. And we cut to them looking very haggard and crying crying on the floor. Um, KM says, my kids will be so embarrassed of me. To which Falabar goes, bah. And uh, KM says, well, yeah, I know I don't have kids. But one day I'll have kids. My wife's going to divorce me. Falabar says, bah. He says, well, no, I know I'm not married yet, but it was just, they had really good chemistry. It was a really good bit backstage, you know, just throw away, no need for it. Then that stupid fake, that fake smoke appears and who should appear in the heavens, but Scarlet pissing Bordeaux. Mm. But, you know, she was only on TV for about, like, say, 12 seconds. She says, you guys were at the very top of my list. Lord knows why. Um, but now you're right at the bottom and you have got a lot of competition to fight through. Now, Garth, 
having seen some of the videos from the talent <laughs> search, which has it. been not mentioned. No. Not mentioned the last three weeks. Um, yeah, having having seen some of those submissions, they haven't got a lot of competition. No, not like all. at all. Like Shark Boy. Yeah, <laughs> if your if your competition is a overweight Shark Boy riding into the wall on a scooter, <laughs> I, I think KM and Falabar are probably okay. Yeah, I think I, I wonder if they're not mentioning it because the inbox is full of people just sending pictures of their knob. Oh, I hope so that's so. blatantly what it would be. If you're one of those people that sent Scarlet Bordeaux a picture of your cock, I salute you, sir. <laughs> um, we then cut to the Global Wrestling Network throwback of the week, which we've already talked about. It was an Ultimate X match, which Loki won. I didn't which, watch it, if I'm honest, Garth. I sort of skimmed through it, but I was like watching it. I was like, is that Killer Cross? <laughs> <laughs> like, was... Loki just looked just like Killer Cross. He was dressed like Hitman. Yeah, video yeah, games. That's it, yeah. I don't know if that was his gimmick or not, but that was certainly what sprang to mind when I saw him. Um, you just, just watch Loki and you think, I bet you are such a horrible bastard. Yeah, he looks like he sets out to hurt you. He's so stiff and he's so mean. <laughs> I wonder if anyone's ever squared up to him and won, like in real life. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't like to be the person to try. Well, you know, I'm made of very, very thin paper. I wouldn't like to try. Um, so, yeah, but one thing I did notice was that Trevor Lee was in this match. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. he is another person that I would love to see back up that card in the X Division scene. Mm-hmm. Because at the moment, he seems to be doing very, very little. Nothing, really. And when mm-hmm. you look at what he's capable of... I can't remember the last time I saw one on the show. Um, we saw was it in Mexico. I think it was the was it the last show of the Mexico run? I think we saw him, and yeah. he shaved all his body hair, and it looked really weird. Because he kept losing, didn't he? I mean, he even mentioned it. Yeah, that was sort of his gimmick. And I was like, oh, please don't be a Kurt Hawkins. <laughs> please don't be that storyline. But in, they've gone, you know, even deeper and just taken him off TV. So yeah, hopefully he will be in a qualifying match. He's not in the two that they've announced for next week. But, fingers crossed, he will be in one in the very, very near future. Backstage, we have a referee who meets with Tessa Blanchard, who is admiring herself in the mirror. Uh, This referee, full of bravado, referee? Referee, full of bravado, basically comes at Tessa and says, you cannot touch officials. In there, I am law and order. Now, what annoyed me about this segment was Josh Matthews saying, Scarlet Bordeaux has filled him with confidence. Yeah. What? Because you talked to him a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> that was it. So apparently Scarlet Bordeaux has the ability to provide confidence by speaking to a person, <laughs> by making them feel incredibly awkward. I mean, My... <laughs> if if you could gain confidence from speaking awkwardly to women you didn't know, I'd be the most <laughs> fucking confident man in the world. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. But th- this this was cringeworthy. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. I mean, it was funny, like him, like sort of, sort of giving, like laying the law, and then she just goes, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> yeah, Tessa saves it because Tessa's fantastic, and everything Tessa does turns to gold or diamond, should I say? <laughs> uh, 
Um, we then get Tommy Dreamer, Tommy Dreamer interviewed about tonight's main event with Eli Drake. Um, so this promo was fantastic. He just goes off on one. Yeah, I don't know how much of this was scripted and how much of this Eli Drake signed off on, but <laughs> it was a Burial. very, it was, yeah, it was about as close to an attempted burial as you're going to get. Um, he said that basically he spent 10 minutes mocking Eli Drake for trying to be a, you know, Poundland rock. Um. <laughs> Said that he's trying to get Yair across like Steve Austin got Watt across. Just call him like you just a, he's trying to be the rock, but you're just a little pebble. Yeah, something something <laughs> like that. Yeah. He then said that Eli Drake and I like this. I've written this down. Eli Drake could have been the franchise, but lost the title and just stayed mediocre. Yeah. Um. He referenced the fact that Eli Drake was a millennial again. And said yeah. that, yeah, people have been calling me fat for years. And if I was like you, Eli Drake, one of those millennials, then I'd be crying. I'd be like, oh, don't do that. You can't do that. You can't call people fat. Well, you know what? I don't give a shit. Get <laughs> some new material. It's what we're going to do in there. We're going to fight and I'm going to win. I was like, yeah. All right, I was then. pumped. <laughs> Get in. I mean, the match disappointed, okay. but yeah. Um, We then got a squash match. Between yep. Tay Valkyrie and Ray Lynn. Ray Lynn seemed to have got this confidence, which was ridiculously <laughs> ill advised. Yeah. Like, if you've got the number one contender sitting down in the middle of the ring and you spank your own arse in front of her, <laughs> I mean that's just that's that's just asking for trouble. Yeah. Um was, I mean it was just a it was just a vehicle to get onto the next segment, really, wasn't it? It was. And I'll repeat once more and once more only, this is exactly what we should have had between Jordan Grace and Katarina. But we didn't. Yeah. Um, what do you think of Taya Valkyrie's new submission? Um, I mean, she, she, she did it a couple of times, didn't she? Um, she didn't quite I, get it in the first time, did she? Yeah. I was, I was all right, yeah. It's sort of something different. It looks like it fucking hurts. Yeah. Holy shit. Did she not try to do a sort of a version of that against Tessa? I think she did. I think she tried something similar because then she stamped yeah. Tessa's face into the canvas at Bound for Glory, didn't she? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it looks brutal, so that's good. It does. It does. Um, obviously, Lynn had fought off the road to Valhalla and this was used to submit Lynn in the end. Two minutes 55. That was all that was needed. Take note, people who are booking Jordan Grace. Anyway, um, basically, this was all set to build the post-match. Tessa Blanchard arrives, attacks Taya Valkyrie. Taya Valkyrie lays out the referee once more, then chokes him to within an inch of his life. Basically, what we saw was GBH. (laughs) We saw live, televised, grievous bodily harm. Um... (laughs) Tessa Blanchard continued to choke out this referee for, I'm not joking, it must have been near two minutes. Um, eventually, more referees appear, but obviously they can't touch her. Um, Sanjay Dutton and Scott Demore arrive, they can't <laughs> stop her. Randomly, Gail Kim yeah. arrives <laughs> for some reason. Um, she breaks it up, Tessa starts mouthing off, and then Tyus spears Tessa out of the ring, basically. What the fuck is Gail Kim doing there? Because I was thinking, well, 
Isn't Gail Kim retired? Well, yeah. I is she like a backstage thing? Because I'm sorry, there's there's no way that she should be there. There's no way it should have been her that broke that up. Yeah, and I mean, if she was there, not you would have thought they would have advertised it. If she was there in any sort of capacity other than come and help out. Yeah, but all that was said was she's Hall of Famer. Well, yeah, we yeah. know she's in the Hall of Fame, but what's the deal? You know, what's happening? <laughs> um, I did I did like what uh, Don Callis said here, actually, about her being one of the greatest women in wrestling. You know, I think right. definitely in impact history, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in wrestling history, potentially going a bit far when you consider the, you know, the women that we've had, but she's definitely up there when you mention, you know, trailblazers, mm. um, especially during her tenure in Impact, even more so than her tenure in WWE because yeah. she was drastically underutilized in the WWE, um, which is a shame because we don't often hear that about WWE underusing their talent. <laughs> oh no, wait. Um, Hang on. <laughs> oh no, wait, that's everyone. Um, anyway, Johnny Impact discusses the title shot against Brian Cage, puts Brian Cage over huge, which I appreciate. Um, this was one of Impact's more concise, well built promos. I yeah. didn't find him this, I don't know, stupid cookie cutter baby face, for lack of a better phrase. I actually believed what he was saying. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Killer Cross interrupts and offers his help. I love this man. Genuinely. I love, I, no, I loved the fact he called him by his real name. Mr. Hannigan. Yeah. Like, no, he turned to the camera, didn't he? He said, I need a quiet word, Mr. Hannigan. Yeah. And I was like, what, oh, he's so fucking great. Such a good touch. He's so great. Um, anyway, he offers his help and says, look, I don't think you're... You know, Brian Cage says he's going to do anything to win. And John, you know, Johnny Impact says, yeah, well, so am I. And uh, <laughs> Killer Cross goes, no, 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 no. I don't think you understand. He's <laughs> going to do anything. Basically, what you know what I want to do, but I want you to tell me what to do. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And Johnny Impact like went, no, of course like I don't know what you mean. He's, he's like stalking him and he's turning cycle. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, honestly, I really enjoyed this segment. Johnny Impact says, no, I don't want your help. Go away. Leave me yeah. alone. This isn't over. No. And this oh, was yeah. the bit that I referred to earlier on the podcast. I have a feeling that this could potentially play in, definitely in the lead-up to Homecoming, whether it will... I certainly hope it doesn't happen in the main event of Homecoming, but I can see Killer Cross costing... Johnny Impact the title yeah. in some way yeah. whether he is trying to help I, I can't see him doing it on pay-per-view really at homecoming a show mm. that they're building to be one of their biggest shows unless they set something up sort of leading up to it like put him in a match against Brian Cage or something I don't know, don't yeah, know. It's, it's interesting it's, it's good because it's yeah because you can't call it yeah exactly now, Garth, we had another debut here. We had a debut of the Rascals, represented today by Desmond Xavier yeah. and Zachary Wentz, taking on some jobbers, Chris Bay and Matt Seidel's brother. Yes. <laughs> which was 
a nice Random. little touch. Um, I knew he was going to be at the tapings because Matt Sydal on Twitter posted a picture of them both. But yeah, it's just quite nice. <laughs> wow! If this is what the Rascals can do in a four-minute squash match, I'm very, very, very excited for what they can do against maybe a team of I don't know Phoenix and Pentagon or you know yeah. Rich Swan and Willie Mack or yeah. the Christs. You know, it's going to be a very, very interesting tenure because these two were shit hot. Oh, yeah. Exciting. 100 mile an hour. Yeah, they did not let up. Everything was so fantastic. Even the double team moves. There was one moment where I think it was Mike Seidel was in the corner sitting down and Desmond Xavier, who I did say was one of the very, very, very few bright sparks of that fucking turkey trot. Um, did this brilliant bit where he swung himself through the ropes. He was the non-legal man, swung himself through the ropes, kicked him, rolled backwards, and as he rolled backwards, Zachary Wentz leapt over him into this ridiculously aggressive Bronco Buster. Yeah, it was over and over again. Yeah, it was incredible. Uh, We had a corkscrew high high cross like press thing, which was amazing. Mm. Um, Everything they did looked brilliant, and then we had possibly. The most gift move of the week. Um, just never seen anything like it. Neither have I. Zachary Wentz basically is standing next to a prone Matt Seidel. So if... Sorry, not Matt Seidel. Mike Seidel. That's force of habit. So if Mike Mm. Seidel is lying horizontally, um, Desmond, Xavier and Zachary Wentz are standing at his feet. So at this point... Zachary Wentz goes for a standing moonsault. As he does that, literally in midair, Desmond Xavier launches him over the top of Mike Seidel. And that was the pinfall. It's called Hot Fire Flame. (laughs) It's a terrible name. It's it's an awful name, but genuinely, what a fucking move. It's brilliant. It's really good. Absolutely baffling. And you know what? Yes, their introduction package was fucking terrible. That stupid, oh, that, that 70s the... show reference. Yeah. Um, but you know what? If they can wrestle like that, they can do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. Because if that's you what, what I can expect in my tag team wrestling, I am very, very excited. And you know what it reminded us of? Go and on. this is going to sound like... It reminded us when Young Bucks first appeared in TNA as Generation, Generation Me. Generation Me, yeah. And they were doing shit like this. And it was like, holy shit, what is this? Well, again, very, very exciting. Don't forget, obviously, this way, we've got three brand new X Division single stars. Yeah. As well as a tag team. So, well done, Impact, on getting these to the onto the mm. roster, whether they're signed or not, I don't know. Um, We then get another impassioned Kira Hogan speech. Oh, my God, this is, this is hard work. Kira Hogan is, I don't know, she's, she can't act, Garth, like, at all. She can't act for shit. We're supposed to believe that, yeah, Ali has not gone to the dark side. She's in an interview, and she cuts off the interviewer, which was a mistake in itself, love. Let Let the people that can talk do their job, because this was fucking diatribe. Yeah. I will be the first to admit that Kira Hogan has improved in every way in the ring. 
but this was awful. Yeah. She she seems really nice. She seems like a really nice person. She seems absolutely and utterly like struggling with stage fright. Yeah. And the way that she puts across that she's mournful asking Ali to come home and that she can fight the darkness. <laughs> it just came across as boring as yeah. opposed to, you know, anything even approaching sadness. It just it just sounded boring and monotone. And unfortunately, it's just it's making me care very, very little for uh, oh, yeah, for anything it's in this angle. The whole story, yeah. It's just nothing. Um anyway, we then had, you know, from the ridiculous to the obscure <laughs> Eddie Edwards is in a mental institution, Shady Acres in Baltimore. <laughs> Drugged up to his eyeballs. Drugged up to his uh, to the back nines. He's just he's dribbling. Genuinely, <laughs> there is saliva falling down his face while Alicia is trying to talk to him. Alicia leaves, um, and Moose arrives. Now, <laughs> this this is the only thing to rescue this segment is how good Moose is. It's just fucking just. He's he's so all in on his character. It's so good. He is. I mean, his hat was his hat was incredible. Um, but yeah, basically, he comes in with a book, and now I assume this is an actual book. A book you can purchase. I have no idea. I think, I think it's a kids' book that Eddie Edwards does actually has actually had published. Right. Um. Anyway, he reads <laughs> it to Eddie, and explains all the stuff that it misses out. Says. <laughs> It's a total lie. Yeah, it's all a lie. <laughs> it misses out where you didn't visit me in the hospital. Oh my god, Moose, get over it. You know, <laughs> fucking hell. You know, it doesn't it doesn't say how, you know, I power bombed you on the uh power bombed you on the on the apron. On the apron. <laughs> it doesn't say how I'm gonna check on your wife. Now it's like, whoa! What <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, man, that Jesus. I was just honestly, I was just laughing through this. It was so good. It was wow, wow. There's no Mo- other Moose way is, to describe Moose it. Is, Moose has definitely like moved his way up to like my top three wrestlers at the minute. Just character work. I was just, just going to say his matches aren't that interesting, but genuinely, yeah. character work fucking hilarious. Like even in his matches, that match he had where he put his hand down his pants. And then slapped, was it? Was it Eddie? I think it was Eddie, yeah, tagged him in. And just like stuff like that, you're just like, it's brilliant. Oh, it's amazing. It's he's just he's just fantastic. Um next week, our first X Division qualification match is announced with Matt Seidel taking on his protege, Ethan yeah. Page. What do you think about this, Garth? I think probably be a decent match. I think um Apart from the fact that they did this promo and obviously they'd let it, the camera run a tiny little bit too much. <laughs> yes, they did. And there's a bit where they started to goofing like, about um, at the end. Yeah, like Matt Seidel's like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, I'd be interested to see because we haven't really seen Ethan Page sort of do his own thing. No. and So I think it'll be interesting, yeah. Yeah. And obviously, Matt Seidel at the moment seems to be playing on this almost sort of a crisis of confidence. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see whether they go the Ethan Page is going to win 
and therefore gets one over his you know his his mentor or if Seidel is going to win and get his win back before Ultimate X I know who I'd prefer to be in that match whether yeah. they put Matt Seidel in that match I don't know he just seems more suited to that match he's more suited to that match he's more you know from what I've seen I've seen very limited Ethan Page matches and I'm sure he's fantastic but for me Matt Seidel is the most is the more impressive wrestler to watch of the two without a shadow yeah, of a doubt Definitely, yeah. Um, we then get our main event of the evening, Eli Drake taking on Tommy Dreamer. Um, go on, Garth. Uh, I mean, it was all right. It wasn't. It wasn't a bad match. It was. It, it was just a standard hardcore match. It was a Tommy Dreamer match. That's that's all you can say. Which is, you know, which is fine. I don't think, you know, when this, the first part of this match was a normal, a normal match, a normal, you know, chops and very little else match. Um, and as Tommy Dreamer gets on top, Drake rolls out, gets counted out. And everyone looks a bit confused until Josh Matthews gets a microphone and says, the match is getting restarted as a no-DQ match. Now, we then get a no-DQ match. The problem was, for me anyway, the hardcore bit, the hardcore section was far more suited to Tommy Dreamer. But that was a lot. It seemed, anyway, it seemed a lot shorter than the first section. Or at least yeah. that's how it felt for me. And I don't think Tommy Dreamer, at his age, should be doing proper singles matches. Nah. And it, it seemed like Dreamer got a lot in on Drake. Um, especially at the beginning. I mean, I mean, it looked quite funny bits where he hit him with the donut box um, and stuff like that. And put the, what was it? He put the, the bell on his crotch and rang the bell. <laughs> I mean, it was quite funny. And yeah. Were, I mean, that the bit where um, Eli Drake did the sort of leg trip onto the chair, that was pretty pretty sort of hardcore. Yeah. Um, but again, it just followed the same normal sort of get the bin, get the kendall stick, get the foil tray thing. Didn't really, it was, like I say, it was just all right. And then, I mean, the finish... They said they made the point that nobody's ever kicked out of the gravy train. So why let Tommy Dreamer kick out of the gravy train? I was just going to say that. No one has ever kicked out of the gravy train. So they give Tommy Dreamer, of all people, Mm -hmm. the kick out of the gravy train on an episode of Impact. What the fuck is that about? And then he just hits him with the oar and then wins the match? Yeah, puts him... Drake wins the match by putting a steel chair around Tommy Dreamer's neck and then smashing it so hard with a boat oar that the boat oar snaps. Which, <laughs> at least, that that was a nice visual to have because yeah. it at least looked like it was savage. And then gets a three count basically straight after. But mm-hmm. what does... What, what, what does Tommy Dreamer gain from kicking out of the gravy train? I don't know what they're trying to... Like, they're trying to do. They're trying to give Tommy Dreamer this, you know... Hardcore is, you know, look at how superhuman I am. Almost, yeah, but and I'm guessing they're sort of seeing the whole 
thing that Eli Drake is trying to sort of ban the hardcore thing because it doesn't play into the way he wants to sort of wrestle. So it's unnerving him a bit. But then he resorts to hardcore to winning. For, exactly. You know, to, yeah. For the win. So... Which defeats the point. Really, he should have tried to avoid it to win, to then sort of prove his point. Exactly. So I don't know whether we're now going to see a brand new hardcore Eli Drake, which would be Mm. odd. Um, But we then get the closing moments of Impact where he, he being Eli Drake, obviously, goes backstage having kissed the boat or awkward moment, um, and walks backstage, and there are balloons and a card for Dreamer. Dreamer. Sorry, for Dreamer, for Eli Drake. Eli Drake opens the card, looks very, very puzzled, very, very put out, and we fade to black. Now, my first impression, Garth, when I saw balloons, was, holy fucking shit, it's Doink. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't even cross my mind. Imagine that. Holy shit. Can you imagine, can you imagine the pop? If Eli Drake's pay-per-view match at Homecoming is fucking Doink the Clown. Doink the Clown. Jesus. I mean, it's not going to be Doink the Clown. Obviously no. not. And that upsets me. But who do you think that could be, guys? Have you got any idea? I, I don't know, because I'm thinking maybe Abyss still. Is is you know Is that something that Abyss usually does? Does he... Leave a balloon at the scene it depends of crime. It depends which version of Abyss it is, because they did have sort of crazy. It was just a bit wacky. Okay. Um, or could it be Joseph Park sort of gone off the deep end, and he's transforming into Abyss? I don't know. I, I can't think of anyone else who would leave that sort of calling that calling card. Doink, Doink would leave that <sighs> calling card. <laughs> Mate, if Doink appears now, I'm going to lose my fucking shit. I actually am. It's going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> it, it's not going to be Doink. Um, but no. overall, not a bad show. It's improved vastly on the last couple of shows that we've seen that have felt like they're spinning their wheels. The unfortunate match between Katarina and between uh, Jordan Grace was yeah. flawed massively um, mm. I didn't have a lot of time for the main event and some of the main event just made no fucking sense at all you know a la Tommy Dreamer kicking out of the fucking gravy train which was just was, was <laughs> just bullshit completely um, but you know we've got LAX taking on the Lucha Brothers now at homecoming which is again shaping up to be an absolutely fucking stellar pay-per-view um, we've got Ultimate X which I'm very, very excited about. We've got qualification matches announced, Garth, for next yeah, week. Good. We have got Jake Christ taking on Willie Mack, yeah, which will be a be very, good. very good match. We have got, obviously, which we've spoken about, we've got Matt Seidel taking on Ethan Page next week. We've got the debut of Dark Alley. Excited <laughs> for the debut of Dark Alley, Garth? Can't wait. <laughs> she sounds like a Pokemon. <laughs> Which is just ridiculous. It, I mean, I just, I, I think the the best thing to come out of this episode is there's so many open storylines where you actually it's hard to call it. Yeah, exactly. Like, how are they going to debut Doink? Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then next week's main event. Are you ready for this? Is a mixed tag team yeah. match. 
between Johnny Impact, the Impact World Champion, and his wife, Ty Valkyrie, taking nice. on Tessa Blanchard and Moose. Nice. That'd be good. Which will be fantastic. But when have they ever, ever even mentioned Tessa Blanchard and Moose in the same breath? No, Why are they teaming together? Maybe they just both hate Johnny Impact and Tyre. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, next week is shaping up to be a fantastic episode of Impact. Um, it's it, I just, it's going to be very, very interesting. I can't wait to see Tessa Blanchard in action. Um, and I can't wait to see, you know, the first the first people into that Ultimate Axe match. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. But, ladies and gentlemen, that is all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and on CastBox. You can follow us on Twitter at, at Podmania. Check out the website, www.podmania.co.uk, where you can check out all of our past podcasts. You can look at features, including lists, articles, things like that. Don't forget to vote on our Podmania End of Year Awards. Um, You can find the link on our Facebook, pinned at the top of our Twitter page, and, of course, you can go onto our website as well. Um, Where can they find you on Twitter, Garth? I'm uh, at Drummer Jackson. And you can also find me at at RealRobGoodwin. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Adios.